Today's reading is taken from Luke 24, 13 to 35. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked, they discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only visitor, Jerusalem, who does not know what those things have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God, and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is nearly over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us when he was talking to us with the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They, they found the 11 and those with them assembled and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then they told the two 
what had happened on the way, how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Here ends the reading. Thank you, Jane, for reading to us. Um, you might find it helpful to have your Bibles open um, to follow the story. They're at the end of each row, do pass them along. I think you'll find it on page 1061. Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be seeing your faces rather than the backs of your head. I was smiling to myself when Catherine interviewed me. I was remembering friends from 10, 10 or more years ago assuring them that I would never, ever, ever be standing at the front with a microphone speaking to people. So they would be very shocked <laughs> that this has happened. So, now, can anyone remember being five years old and their very first day at school? I remember it, but for all the wrong reasons. I'd been recently diagnosed as very long-sighted and was the only little girl in the class who had glasses. Not the fun children's frames of today, but glasses that looked more like my granny's. And to make matters worse, I had a brown patch over one eye to try and resolve my squint. Talk about being the odd one out. I hid myself from sight as much as I could, and school was rather a solitary existence to begin with. Slightly tragic. My eyesight's not great, and even with my eyes wide open, I struggle to really see things. My husband has crystal clear vision and spots things I can't see even when he's pointing them out. Imagine a walk on the cliffs. Oh, look, can you see the seals? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, look, I wonder where that big sailing boat is going. Uh, what boat? No matter how hard I look, I just can't really see. So some of you I know have had cataract surgery and I wonder if this opened your eyes to see better. I hope so, because it's my turn for this procedure tomorrow morning. And just maybe it will physically open my eyes to see things that even my husband can't. I'm hoping to be a practical example of today's message. So, you might think Easter is finished for another year, especially if all the chocolate has been eaten. But the good news is that Easter will never be finished. Today's story of the road to Emmaus happened just a few hours after the resurrection of Jesus, which Catherine preached about last Sunday. Let's pray before we look at what happened next. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him, to say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. Amen. And that lovely song beautifully describes what I'd like to talk about today. From verse 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Jesus came to make the blind see. Physically opening blind eyes to see by healing them spiritually opening eyes to see Jesus as Messiah, the Savior. So the road to Emmaus, great story. It was still Easter day, and news was filtering through of Jesus' tomb being empty. The group of women went to embalm Jesus' body, but found the stone rolled away. Then Peter heard, ran to the tomb, but found it empty. The very same day, 
two of Jesus' followers were walking the seven miles to a village called Emmaus, trying to make sense of the last three days. Jesus joined Cleopas and his friend on the walk, but from verse 16, they were kept from recognizing him. <coughs> Jesus asked what they were discussing, and then he proceeded to explain all about himself from the scriptures. But it wasn't until they reached Emmaus and invited Jesus to stay with them that he broke bread at the table and their eyes were opened to see him and recognize him. So this is a story of two parts, the walk and the table, and we're going to look at each of them. First, the walk, and three things struck me. Walking with ordinary people. It might seem obvious that the risen Jesus would appear first to the 11 apostles, the well-known key team. Perhaps a reenactment of the Last Supper, minus Judas, the betrayer. But no, it was to a man named Cleopas, previously unmentioned, and another man whose name isn't even recorded. The 11 disciples were still in Jerusalem and won't see Jesus until later. I'm sure Cleopas and his friend wondered, why us? We can be encouraged by this. However much of an ordinary person we consider ourselves to be, Jesus is walking with us. He wants to open our eyes to see him and he wants us to help others see him. Our witness, our stories about our faith, our caring for others, our prayers, and many other things are all part of how Jesus opens the eyes of other ordinary people to recognize him. We are ordinary people who walk with ordinary people, and we are all included. They were kept from recognizing Jesus from verse 16. Why did Jesus keep them from recognizing him? Why not make himself so obvious that anyone could see him? I love that God is mystery. If he revealed everything about himself, there would be no mystery and therefore no need for faith and no need to read the Bible to find out about him, no need for Jesus to open my eyes to see him. I love that God is infinitely beyond my understanding. I love that there is something new to discover of God every day. And I love that I will never grasp the whole picture here on earth. He simply doesn't explain everything he is doing. And I am very glad. Though sometimes it might be quite helpful. We'll shortly declare this in the communion words. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. At best, we are still partially sighted. Even with our eyes open, let's see that sometimes we don't actually see Jesus at all. The Jesus who asked, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? The art of conversation. I wonder why Jesus asked Cleopas and his friend what they were discussing and what had just happened in Jerusalem. Jesus, of all people, knew exactly what had happened. I think he simply gave them a voice to start the conversation. Jesus didn't begin by talking about himself, but he began with where they were. 
confused and disappointed about how things had seemingly turned out. That's such a good example, isn't it, when we talk with people. Think of the conversations at Connections on Tuesday mornings. Start with where people are. Let them begin the story. And once Jesus had heard where Cleopas and his friend had got to in their story, he gently chastised them for not seeing him. <coughs> and then from verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. It's a revelation how the Old Testament so fully and completely points to Jesus. Now, I recently began a simple Bible study with a couple of dear friends. We were unsure where to begin, so we chose the, mo the story of Moses, picking out some key events against the background of slavery and wilderness and promised land. Oh, and miracles, lots of miracles. So I'm fascinated that Jesus began with Moses and the prophets in explaining the scriptures concerning himself. He often quoted from the prophets, like at the synagogue in Nazareth when he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. And he turned to the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the, the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Recovery of sight for the blind. You'd be right to guess that seeing Jesus through scriptures will crop up again when I finish with a few practical ideas. The second part of the story is the table. And again, three things struck me. Jesus responds to an invitation. I love that Jesus didn't push his way into the house for dinner. He wanted them to ask him. He waited for an invitation. And from verse 29, they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. I'll never forget meeting a youngish man called Matthew who joined our table at an Alpha course. Matthew was invited to Alpha by one of our food bank volunteers. He brought intelligent and searching questions and was a joy to talk with. Over the dinner table one week, he showed me two pages of closely written questions and asked us to please answer them all. I smiled and told Matthew that he needed to find the answers for himself for them to be real. But by the end of that session, he said he'd realized that only one of his questions mattered, and that was, do I believe that God loves me? Yes, Matthew, that's the question you need to answer. But Matthew didn't turn up the next week, nor the week after, and I was really disappointed. Then Church had a message to say he'd been taken very ill and was in hospital. Three days later, we heard that Matthew had died from a previously undiagnosed brain tumour. Now, I don't know whether Matthew answered that question for himself, but I have every hope that he did. God knew he didn't have time to find answers to all his questions. Yet he opened Matthew's eyes to see the one question that really mattered. 
Matthew's family came in to meet the Alpha team and the food bank people, and they told us that his encounters with us had had a great impact upon him. There is the power of the invitation for Matthew to join an Alpha table. There's the power of the encounters at a table. And there is Jesus using invitations and encounters at the table to open eyes to see. And perhaps today, you might ask yourself Matthew's final question. Do I believe that God loves me? Whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, whether you're in a joyful place or a sad place, just ask yourself now, do I believe that God loves me? And the next point is where the revelation happened. From verse 20, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now Jesus really wants to open eyes to see him. Yet he made Cleopas and his friend wait for the revelation. I love waiting, don't you? Not. <laughs> but waiting is more precious than instant answers. It's through the waiting and the praying that faith grows strong foundations and sustains my hope. Without the waiting and praying, my faith would be shallow and likely to let me down when the going gets tough. So Jesus made them wait for seven miles, but a good seven miles of digging deep into Scripture. It's always a good thing to do while we're waiting. Then the revelation came at the dinner table, and it was the familiarity of Jesus breaking bread at that table that finally caused them to recognize him. And thirdly, telling others as soon as possible. Cleopas and his friend were so excited that they set off on the seven-mile walk all the way back to Jerusalem, even though it was evening. I bet they walked fast. Don't you love sharing news, good and bad? We love to be the first one to find out. Have you heard about? The story of Jesus' death and resurrection is the best news it is why and how I do believe that God loves me. It's why and how we can have life in all its fullness, both here and in eternity. Yet the best news is too often the news that we are slowest and most reluctant to share. And yes, this too will crop up again when we look at some practical ideas at the end. So let's go back to the walk for some ideas to help us see Jesus. We're all walking along our own roads, sometimes alone, sometimes with a friend, sometimes in a crowd, but always with Jesus. What might help open our eyes to see him along the road? Be more aware of Jesus' presence. Pause often to say, you are Emmanuel, God with me. Try a prayer walk, alone or with a friend. Ask Jesus, to open your eyes to help you see. And if a walk isn't your favorite thing, try sitting quietly with the television off and the phone in another room. In essence, provide Jesus with more opportunities to open our eyes. 
I preach to myself here as one who is very easily distracted. Be more seeing Jesus through the people we walk and talk with. So I mentioned how last year I met up with Catherine and she gently asked me about speaking the words that I so enjoy writing. That helped open my eyes to see possibilities. And without that encounter, I doubt I'd be talking with you today. Thirdly, be reading the Bible, not just looking, but persevering until our eyes are opened to see Jesus in the words. And if it's been a while since you last read about Moses and the prophets, like Isaiah, it's really worth doing. And if it was how Jesus started opening the eyes of Cleopas and his friend, then it's good for us too. Although Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus, the descriptions of him and his suffering on the cross are vividly accurate. And Isaiah's ancient prophecies to the people of Judah in their own lives and times can be profoundly relevant to us. I tried and failed to put into words how Isaiah's later chapters in particular have affected me. And realize verse 25 puts it really well. Were not our hearts burning within us? And that's often how I've felt when I've, read, when I've been reading from Isaiah. And finally, back to the table for some ideas to help others see Jesus. The table can be a great place for evangelism. Telling others, which I said we'd come back to. Luke's gospel tells 12 stories of encounters with Jesus over the dinner table. It's a relaxed environment where conversation can flow. Whatever table you find yourself sitting at, amidst topics like holiday plans or grandchildren, try gently introducing a different subject. Maybe something we're involved with at church, or a way God has answered our prayers. Or ask people about their own stories, like Cleopas. So how do we do that? Be a host, one who takes the initiative and starts the ball rolling. For example, some of us have tables in our own homes where people could encounter Jesus over a meal with us. Like some of you, my husband doesn't come to church, yet he's curious about faith. And the place he's most likely to talk about it is over a dinner table. Now, cooking for dinner guests is not my favorite thing to do, but fine cuisine is thankfully not to the point. Be an inviter of someone to a table. There are tables at local cafes for coffee with a friend, and there are plenty of events at church which involve tables with coffee or cake or snacks, or even a meal. The worst that can happen is no thanks. And the best is eyes open to see Jesus. Jesus waited to be invited. Who is just waiting for us to invite them? My husband and I came to Comedy and Carols here last um, December. We had a great time. A couple of weeks later, we were telling our friends about it. And they said, why didn't you invite us? Ooh. <laughs> And thirdly, be a guest, present at the table, noticing who needs to be drawn into the conversation. 
just sitting beside someone who is alone. Connections, again, is a great opportunity where Jesus might open eyes around the table. Being a guest is a special role. Today, we share communion. Let's open our eyes to see and recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread as we draw near with faith around this table. Open our eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him, to say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord, we want to see Jesus.